This is Crossroads with Clayton King. I'm so thankful you're taking your time to join us for this teaching podcast. And this is an important message, not just for those of us who know Jesus, but for people who may be unsure of whether or not they know Jesus. A message I preached about what it means to actually believe in Christ. And I got to preach this at a really special place, Shadow Mountain Community Church in San Diego, California. You may not know the name of that church, but I bet you're familiar with the name Dr. David Jeremiah. This is a prolific author, uh, a TV show host, radio ministry, longtime pastor. And for the second time, I was able to preach for him on a weekend at Shadow Mountain. This was the message I delivered there, and I'm bringing it to you now. I hope it encourages you and helps you in your walk with Jesus. Well, I'm going to be in John chapter 6. I want to dive right in because I've only got two and a half hours to preach this message, and I want to go ahead and get started. Before I even dive in, let's just understand something. Words have meaning, and different words mean different things based on the context in which those words are used. And I want to unpack a word that is used 240 plus times in the New Testament, a word that we're going to see five times in the passage of Scripture that I'm going to read from John chapter 6. It's a simple word. Other than the name of Jesus, I think it may be the most important word in the entire Bible. And that's a big statement, but I believe it's true because this is the word that Jesus said was the key to pleasing God, the key to being saved, the key to having assurance of eternal life. And so there are a lot of things in life that you can be wrong about, but the one thing you don't wanna be wrong about is your eternal security. The one thing you don't wanna be unsure of is where you go when you die. So many people get hung up on wondering if they're going to go to heaven when they die and being uncertain as to whether or not they actually have a relationship with Jesus right now. And I wanna say to you, Shadow Mountain, that Jesus doesn't want you to live that way. Jesus wants you to know that you belong to him. First John says, I write these things to those of you that believe that you might know that you have eternal life. And so you can be wrong about lots of things, but don't be wrong about your eternal soul. Don't get that one wrong. Don't leave church today. Don't turn off this broadcast or this radio program. Don't turn the channel or leave and go home today until you have nailed it down for sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus and that when Jesus returns or you die, you'll be with him forever in heaven. The question then is, how can we know that? That's the question. How can we know that for sure? And it all centers around this one word. Here's the word, church. Believe. Believe. 90 plus percent of Americans believe in God. But that word believe means different things based on the context. The question that we're going to attend to today is not so much what you believe, but how you believe in Jesus. Because it's not just what you believe that saves you, it's how you believe. 90% of Americans say they believe in God, but you'd have a hard time convincing me that 90% of our country is following the Lord Jesus. Look at the chaos, look at the confusion, look at the nonsense and insanity that goes on in our daily world 
Everybody seems to believe in God, but very few people seem to be following him. So let's understand it's not just what you believe that saves you, it's how you believe it. And there are really three different ways that we see in John chapter six that you can believe in Jesus. Two of these ways are good, but they're not good enough to save you. One of these beliefs is the kind of faith that reconciles you to God. And let's read the scripture from John chapter six. I'm gonna start off in verse 25. When they found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they ask. This is a simple question. They want to know, how can we please God? How can we be right with God? How can we know that we're reconciled to God? If I could translate it to our context today, how can we know that we are saved? How can you know that you're truly a Christian? Jesus answers this question with a very simple answer. Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. Church, let's not overcomplicate the simple words of Jesus. Aren't you glad that you don't have to perform to earn his love? Aren't you glad that you don't have to be perfect to earn your salvation? Aren't you glad that you don't have to keep all the rules to get him to notice you and love you? We are saved by God's grace through faith when we believe and Jesus settles the, the question once and for all. If you want to do what God requires, salvation cannot be achieved. It can only be received. We can't work for our salvation with our hands, but we can turn our hands, palms up, open to God and receive that gift. So Jesus settles the question, but they don't understand what it means to believe. So they respond by saying, what sign then are you going to do so that we may see it and believe you, they ask. What are you going to perform? Pause. Church, are you reading what I'm reading here? They have just watched this man walk on water. They have just watched this man feed a stadium full of people with one kid's lunch. And they are asking for another miracle. They're asking for another sign. When I read the Bible, it gives me great hope to know that when I'm confused about something, when I don't understand something, when I'm struggling with something, that God has mercy and grace with me just like he did with people over and over again in the Bible. So they want to know, what kind of sign are you going to perform? And then look at what they say in verse 31. Our ancestors, that's an important word, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now watch Jesus correct their misunderstanding of what it means to believe. Jesus says to them, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true 
bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In other words, you're putting your faith in Moses and the law. You need to put your faith in me. Moses is dead and he didn't die on the cross to save you. He is a patriarch, he is the lawgiver, but I am the savior. He wanted to make sure they understood that. It says they responded in verse 34, sir, they said, give us this bread always. Can I translate that for you into modern English? If you'll keep feeding us for free, we'll keep following you. We like this free lunch deal that we've got going on, and if you'll keep on multiplying the food, then we'll actually believe that you're worth following. Jesus said to them in verse 35, I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one comes to me and will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me, there's that word again, will ever be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet, you do not believe. This is Jesus pointing out the discrepancy because everyone there believed that Jesus existed. They actually believed he could even perform miracles, but they had not yet fully believed he was the chosen one of God. It is possible to see Jesus and not really believe in him. It's possible to go to church and not be a Christian. You know, you can go to McDonald's. It doesn't make you a Big Mac. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. It's possible to be raised in a Christian family and not truly believe in Jesus. It's possible to go to a Christian school and never have been born again by the Spirit of God. It's possible to vote the right way, act the right way, believe all the right things about all the social issues and affirm things that are biblical and true, but never truly make your own personal decision that you believe Jesus is God, Lord, Master, and King. That's what Jesus said. You've been with me. You've seen my miracles. How in the world can you not believe in me yet? And then Jesus says, everyone the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. That... I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and what? Believes in him. Two promises. Will have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. Jesus is promising you today, if you will believe in me, put your faith in me and trust me, I will give you eternal life and never turn my back on you. And when it's all said and done, whether you live to be an old man or an old woman and you see me return, or you die in your sleep, or you pass away from, from something else, when your life is over, here's my promise. If you believed in me, I will raise you up on the last day. You will be resurrected. You will one day live forever with me in the new heaven and the new earth and the 
a kingdom where I will be king and you will be my people. And church, I'm going to tell you, I'm 50 years old. I've got a lot of tread left on these tires. I've got a lot of preaching left in me. I've got a fire shut up in my bones. And sometimes I get a little excited when I talk about Jesus. But one day when my life is over, I will be with him forever and ever. Not because I'm a good person, but because he's a good God. Not because my hands have worked hard for salvation, but because his hands were pierced for my salvation on the cross. And there are days I'm happy and I hope I get another 50 years and there are days I look toward the sky and say, Jesus, you could come back today if you wanted to. I'd be fine with that. These are the promises that Jesus makes. How do you get those promises? How do you know for sure you're saved? You believe, but how? There are three ways in this scripture that we see a person can believe in Jesus. Number one, you can believe in Jesus with what I call inherited belief. Inherited belief. When they mention Moses, when they mention their ancestors, when they appeal to the miracles in the Torah that are recorded, they are appealing to their ancestors. They've missed Jesus. I inherited from my mother and my father that raised me a love for the church, a love for the Bible. My daddy was my Sunday school teacher. My dad discipled me before I was even born again. I I inherited a work ethic from my dad. I inherited a love for hospitality and food from my mom. You can inherit a godly legacy, but listen to me, Shadow Mountain. You cannot inherit Christianity. This is a misunderstanding that needs to be corrected. My Muslim friends say that they are born Muslim. My Hindu friends say they are born Hindu because they're raised into a Hindu family. But as Christians, we're different. We know you are not born into salvation. You are born into sin. You're born again into salvation. When you move beyond inherited belief into true faith. When people tell me I like to witness and share the gospel as I travel around, even in my own church where I'm a pastor, when I ask people, are you a Christian, they will oftentimes say yes. And I say, when did you become a Christian? And oftentimes I'll get a response like this. Well, I've always been born a Christian. I've always been a Christian. I was born into a Christian family. And immediately that tells me that I need to dig a little bit deeper and and really explain to them what it means to have a moment in your life when you realize you're a sinner and that Jesus loves you, and that that love put him on a cross, and that that love was his way of trying to take the sin off of you and me and the penalty for our sin. You're not born a Christian. We're born doomed, and God intervenes through Jesus to rescue and save us from the consequences of our sin. It's okay to inherit knowledge and faith and a legacy but you can't inherit salvation. That's one way you can believe. It's good, but listen, it's not good enough. There's another way that we see you can believe in Jesus here. It's what I call intellectual belief. There's nothing wrong with having intellectual faith. You should learn as much as you can, whether it's through podcasts or books or sermons or Bible studies, but we do not reason our way to God with our minds We humble our way to God by submission and believing in Him. I'll be back in a minute to finish up this message, but before I do, could I ask you to do something? Would you pray about helping us as a ministry financially? 
We're a donor-based ministry, and as a nonprofit, we depend on supporters and friends like you to carry out our mission of preaching the gospel and making disciples. We have 10 full-time staff members. We have a radio ministry. We have online ministry, free resources, summer camps, student conferences, a missions agency, study tours to Israel and Greece and Turkey. And we do all of that by the support of friends like you financially. And right now, we've actually just purchased and we're renovating a retreat center on Lake Hartwell in South Carolina. If you would like to help us financially, just go to claytonking.com give that's claytonking.com slash give. We would appreciate your help. Now back to the message. Intellectual belief is seen right here in John chapter six. So not only do they have an inherited faith where they wanna talk about Moses and their ancestors and they've missed Jesus, but they asked Jesus to perform another miracle. What sign are you gonna give that we might see it and believe in you? How many of us have ever said that to Jesus? Just give me a sign and I'll believe in you. Just show me that you're real and I'll believe in you. Do you believe in Jesus with your heart or do you only believe in your head? What kind of miracle are you gonna do, Jesus? And Jesus won't do it. He's like, no, no, you've gotta believe in me with more than just your mind. I want your soul. So intellectual belief in Jesus is good, but it is not good enough to save us. We have to do more than give an assent to the fact that a man named Jesus lived. I believe in Martin Luther King Jr. and Abraham Lincoln, but I never met either one of them. I believe they existed because people told me they did and I read about them in books. So many people believe that Jesus existed because somebody else told them or they read about it in a book. What Jesus wants is for you to meet him, for you to experience him, for you to taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants you to know a personal relationship with him. He wants it to go from intellect to a different kind of belief. And this is the kind of belief that saves. It's the third kind. It's the Greek word pastuo. And it means to be persuaded that something is true, to be utterly convinced. And here's the kind of belief that does save. It's not inherited belief, it's not intellectual belief, it's intimate belief. A belief that's personal, a belief that's close, it gets you close to Jesus. That's what it means to believe. And that's why Jesus says it here, Anyone who believes in me will have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. The best way I know to illustrate this for you of what it means to have true intimate belief, the kind that saves you, is through a true, a true story that happened one year before the Civil War began. There was a man born in France in the early 1800s. His name was Charles Blondin. And he was a trapeze artist. Apparently he had a, a God-given talent. He was with the trapeze troupe, a, a, a traveling group that performed. And he was really good as a trapeze artist. He began to train himself how to walk across tight ropes. It started off, he would string a, a rope between two houses, then two trees, then two buildings. 
until he began to make a name for himself in Europe and he realized, he was also a showman, he loved to entertain people, he realized if he wanted to really set the world on fire and be rich and famous, he had to come west to Canada and the United States. And so this man, Charles Blondin, began to call himself the Great Blondin. And he would walk in between buildings and people were talking about him and he decided he was gonna do something no one had ever tried before. He was gonna walk across Niagara Falls. He was the first person to ever attempt this feat. And so in 1859, he stretched a rope 1,100 feet across Niagara Falls, three inches wide. And he had, I guess, hired some people to help him get the word out. Everyone knew that the great Blondin was gonna attempt this feat. And history tells us that day in Niagara Falls, over 100,000 spectators came to watch. And because he was a showman and because he loved to entertain people, history says that he walked out there that day and addressed the crowd and he asked them a question, how many of you believe I can do this? And the people began to clap and cheer. We believe in you. We believe in you. Pay attention to what the word believe looks like in this story. He said, thank you for believing in me. And Charles Blondin hopped on that rope. And he did it. He walked all the way across Niagara Falls. He didn't stumble. He didn't fall. And when he came back to the crowd, everyone cheered. Because he had just made history. He wasn't done though. He asked them a second question. He said, how many of you here today believe that I can walk across Niagara Falls on this tightrope blindfolded? <laughs> and people began to cheer and they began to clap. They began to shout his name. We believe in you, the great blind and you can do it. We believe in you. He blindfolds himself and he walks across Niagara Falls successfully and the crowd was ecstatic. And as they're cheering and clapping, they didn't realize he had two more questions. So he addresses the crowd and he says, how many of you believe I can walk across Niagara Falls carrying someone on my back? And as you can imagine, the crowd was pretty quiet. <laughs> Does anyone believe I can do it? One man in the audience said, I believe in you. And he leaves the audience, walks away from the crowd, and one man named Harry Colcord climbed on Charles Blondin's back and the great Blondin walked across that tightrope over Niagara Falls and carried him safely across. Now don't you see what it means to truly believe? It's more than showing up to church, though church is good. It's more than believing in all the right cultural issues, though that's important. It's more than singing songs and clapping on cue. It's even more than just saying, I believe in Jesus. Believing in Jesus means that you step out of the crowd and you put all of your weight on Jesus all of your faith in Jesus, all in on Jesus, trusting Jesus alone as the only way to salvation. And here's the good news today. 
listening on the radio, watching online, watching on TV, or sitting in the room, if you don't know whether or not you know Jesus, you can know right now. You can believe right now. Just ask him to save you. And you will have an intimate belief in Jesus that'll last for eternity. You know, the best part of being a Christian is that you get a relationship with Christ. The best part of following Jesus is that you get to know Jesus in this life and you get to be with Jesus forever and ever in the next life and that'll never end. So if you have never really asked Jesus to save you, do that right now. Just pray to him right where you are and ask, Jesus, will you please save me? Please forgive me of my sin. I believe in you. I put all my faith in you. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, let us know. Go to claytonking.com and send us an email. I hope this has encouraged you today. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at claytonking.com.